Good morning, Solace Church. Thank you for being here today as we begin this new series called Life After Life. Uh, this series is going to focus on what it looks like uh, to exit this world and to encounter a, a very real uh, reality beyond this physical world in which we live. And so we're going to be talking about the book of Revelation primarily, but we'll be looking at other texts as well as we unfold this series. If you've ever lost a loved one, if you've ever wondered what that someone um, that you loved um, is experiencing, this series is for you. Now, I just want to just want to set the pace at the very beginning of this series. We're going to deal with the good the bad and the ugly. We're going to deal with it all in this series. We're going, to, we're going to just go to Scripture and learn what Scripture has to say about life after this life. You know, the name of this series is, uh, is a bit different. Most of the time we talk about uh, life beyond this life. We use the phrase life after death. But the reality is, and we're going to see this so clearly in this series, that for those who have placed their faith in Christ... There is no such thing as death. For Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, conquered death. There is no more death for the believer. There is only this life and then the life to come. Because Jesus, through his inspired word in scripture, reminds us that to be absent from this body for the believer is to immediately be present with the Lord. And so we're going to talk in this series about what that looks like. We're also going to talk about how this this whole thing, this world, this present reality is going to come to an end. What is the culmination? What, what are the events that will happen when this all ends? And then what will we experience beyond this life? And so if you have any interest in thinking about what that's going to look like from Scripture, this series is perfect for you. So if you're a guest here today, for the first time, you came at the beginning of the series, it just makes sense for you to stay with us for the next six weeks. So please do that. That would be great. No reason to leave after this. If you're watching online at solacechurch.com, we want to thank you for being a part of our online community. Uh, wherever you are in the world, unless you are at the state fair right now, <laughs> glad that you're watching online. No, it is state fair season, and that's great, and that's exciting, uh, but I'm glad that you chose to be here today. Um, I, I want to give you a, a, a picture of how this series is going to unfold. Um, when I was studying in college about how to, how to preach, how to teach from the stage. And as I actually in, 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 uh, engage with my brother about this conversation, one of the things that, that he really helped me understand about preaching and teaching is that, that teaching and preaching from the stage, especially on a Sunday morning, uh, is a lot like the weatherman who gives the forecast. And one of my brother's instructors, I think rightly, rightly so, told him, um, I know that you care about the barometric pressure and the dew point, but most people don't. They want to know if it's going to rain tomorrow, if it's going to snow tomorrow. They want to know what the weather's going to be like so they can plan their day. So don't, give, don't necessarily be concerned. You know the barometric pressure, but you don't have to give it every time you give the weather, right? And in a similar sense... Um, there are many, many details about the discussion of revelation or eschatology, the study of end times, that some people don't necessarily care about. And so the, the general advice is to stay away from that material. But I'm not going to take that advice. I'm going to do exactly what they all told me not to do. 
I don't know if that's going to work or not. If you fall asleep today, I'll learn that it was a bad idea. But, but, but I'm going to give you the information that you generally would not get on a Sunday morning experience. Um, because I think, that, I think that it's important as we think about the book of Revelation, as we think about eschatology in times, as we think about the return of Christ, and as we think about what our reality is going to look like beyond this world. There's a really great book. I would encourage you to pick it up. Uh, it's, called, it's by Steve Gregg. It's called uh, Revelation, Four Views, a Parallel Commentary. Again, this is the details. This is where you're going to learn the barometric pressure and dew point. Um, this is a, a pretty detailed, descriptive book that I would encourage you to pick up if you want to study Revelation from a broad perspective. Steve Gregg does a great job unpacking um, the different viewpoints, which we'll learn as well in this series and I encourage you to pick it up. I'll be giving you a book a week, basically, uh, as this series unfolds, because there's many, many books that I've been reading about this series. Before we open uh, up to Revelation chapter 1, which is where we're going to be today, I want to give you one more uh, just word of preface. Um, this is the first time that I have ever, from the stage, been willing to share my eschatological views. In other words, I've never been comfortable to this point sharing with you what I believe to be true about how this world is going to come to an end. And so over the next couple of weeks, you're going to hear what I understand to be true about Scripture in terms of how this world is going to come to an end. But I want you to understand that if you disagree with that point about how it's all going to come to an end, you should not leave our church. We may disagree on some of the finer points, but the broader points we can all agree on. Is that fair? This series is going to focus, at least in part, on some areas where there are some disagreements. One of those would be even today. As this, move forward, as this thing moves forward, I think we'll all be on the same page in terms of what heaven is going to actually be like. Um, if you believe that heaven is going to be boring and uh, unworthy to experience, this series is for you. If you thought about heaven and you thought, I think I'd rather stay here, then this series is for you. Because I think the church has done a pretty poor job, quite honestly, sharing about the realities of heaven. And I think that there is such a disconnect between the world in which we live and the world that's painted for us in heaven. And I think the church really has done a pretty poor job overall about sharing with that. And so my hope is to excite you about heaven and that might change the way you even live here. All right, so let's do this. Life after life. What does the last book in the Bible have to say about how it's all going to end and what we're going to experience? Let me give you a broad understanding of uh, the book of Revelation for just a moment. The book of Revelation is an epistle. It's a letter written to seven churches. We'll see that in, in some detail in just a moment. We'll see the author, we'll see when it was written, and we'll see basically the genre and makeup of the book today. The book of Revelation is, is generally divided into about three different, four different segments depending on how you want to look at it. There's the prologue or the introduction to the book in, in Revelation 1, which we're going to study. Then there are the specific le uh, letters or instructions to seven specific churches that are in Asia or Asia Minor. And then there is the, the, the revelation, if you will. There's this, there's this, um, this uh, specific uh, uh, vision that is seen, and we'll see who saw that in just a moment, from, from chapter 4 all the way through chapter 22, so the rest of the book. But in chapter 4 through 20, this book deals with uh, with what some would, would say would be events that are, that are, that are, uh, that are related to uh, either the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70 or some events that are coming in the future. And again, we'll understand that more in just a moment. 
So it's really interesting. The book starts with an introduction, then it specifically addresses seven churches, and then there's a whole lot of discussion about what what the vision was all about from chapter 4 all the way through chapter 20, about halfway through. And then everyone in the church community kind of comes back on the same page about halfway through chapter 20 and through 21 and 22. So there's going to be a huge, uh, huge um, uh, um, discussion, debate, and it's an inside debate, inside the church debate, through the middle of this book, and then we all come back together at the end. Isn't that good? That in the end, we all get on the same page because it all ends with us being together and not separate, where there are no denominations, where there are no segments, but there's just the church with Jesus. All right, so what does the book look like? Open your Bibles with me. There will be no TV today. There will be in the future, but today it's just me, you, and the NIV. Revelation chapter 1. First of all, let's understand what the book is about. Revelation chapter 1 verse 1. Actually, in the Greek manuscript, in the Greek version of this, the very first word is apocalypsis. It's where we get our English word apocalypse. What does apocalypsis mean? It means an unveiling. It means to reveal. I think it's really important that all of us in the room understand why why the writer of this letter, this epistle, would start with that word. There is no doubt that the author of this letter would start with this word in direct correlation to Daniel chapter 12. In Daniel chapter 12, if you've never read the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, read the book of Daniel. It's a great book. It's about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Daniel, it's a great, great story. Daniel sees a vision towards the end of this, the, the book of Daniel. He gives, he, he's given a vision about events that are to come in the future. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well in this series. But in Daniel chapter 12, Daniel is told to seal up the book, to seal up the vision, for the time had not yet come. In other words, Daniel is given a vision for the future, but he is told specifically to seal it up for this moment and don't unveil what there is to unveil in the the book. Revelation is the last book in the Bible. Revelation is apocalypsis. It is the unveiling. It is the, it is the opening of the seal, if you will, to describe events, and you'll see this in the book of Revelation, events that will soon take place. So don't seal, we see in this book of Revelation, for the time is at hand. In other words, the book of Revelation describes events in the last days. So, The genre of the book of Revelation is an epistle. That is to say, the writing is generally considered an epistle, although it is apocalyptic in its nature. It's an unveiling. It is the revelation. Who is revealing this? We see in the first verse. The revelation of who? Of Jesus Christ. That is, he has revealed some things to the churches, specifically we'll see in a moment, about what is to come. What is already and what has been. All right, so read with me for a moment in this text of Scripture. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God, who is in this text the Father, gave him. 
Now remember, it's very important in Scripture to understand that when Jesus comes to the earth, he comes as one obedient to the Father. It's the Father's plan to redeem a lost uh, humanity from their sins. It is the Father's agenda to, to reconcile um, to himself a fallen world. That is, you and I are lost. We are, we are destitute without God. We are apart from God. And the Father made a way through Jesus for us to be right with him. But when Jesus comes, remember, he comes only to do the will of the Father. He comes to speak only what the Father chooses for him to speak. And remember, Jesus, when he's on this earth, says this about the end times. He says, he says, even the Son does not know when the end will be. Now in this text, we see that Jesus is given a, 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 a message from the Father, and he gives this revelation to the author of this book. It's the unveiling. He gives it to him to show his servants what soon or what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant who? John. So the book of Revelation is an unveiling. It's, it's It's the taking back of the veil. It's the opening of the sealed up so that we may know these are the end times. This is the last days. Even when the author of this book writes this book, it still is considered the last age. Now, we'll get into this more in the coming weeks, but this is the unveiled period. Who had the opportunity to see this vision? His name was John, of course. Who is John? Most scholars, most historians believe that the author of this book, Revelation, was John, the disciple of Jesus, the one who Jesus loved. What a title. Like, uh, do you guys know Jesus? That's great. That's good. Do he love you? That's good. He loved me most. I don't know what you and him had together, but I'm pretty much his favorite. Just want to let you guys know, just in case you didn't. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. John, who wrote the fourth gospel. John, who wrote first, second, and third John. This is the John that receives this revelation. He receives a revelation from Jesus, given to him from the Father, about things that must soon take place. Verse 2, who testifies to everything he saw. That is, John is going to write down everything he sees and hears and is told to write down. The word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, if you've ever been scared to read or study the book of Revelation, you need to listen to verse 3. Because, because John reveals to us, blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart, or take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. That is to say, those who would read and study and learn what is, what is about to be revealed are blessed because of it. I will tell you that I've read Revelation through many, many times, and I would just suggest to you that it is both scary and exciting all at the same time. It is both terrifying and incredibly hopeful, all wrapped up into one. The thing about Revelation that's so terrifying is you don't want to be on the wrong side when it all ends. The thing that is hopeful about Revelation is that for those who are in Christ, there is an incredible reality to come. 
Now, I'm going to give this to you today because I recognize that some of you in the room, most of you would not be this way, but some of you in the room may be skeptical. Maybe you're watching online, and maybe, maybe the idea of these events to come and this, 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 uh, this apocalyptic-type material, maybe it's really, really difficult for you to accept. Maybe, maybe you would say, you know, I get the whole thing that Jesus lived, but this whole revelation thing, it's just, I'm just not sure all, that, all that's true. Well, I just want to say a couple things to you if you're skeptical before we look any further. What revelation reveals to us is that Jesus is going to return in all of his glory, in the fullness of his power. And that there is a day coming, it's called the great white throne judgment, where every single person will stand before God and give an account of his life. And that for those who are in Christ, they will experience an eternal state of incredible perfection with God. And for those who do not have a relationship with Jesus... There is a very real judgment to come in which you are separated from God forever in a very real place called the lake of fire, which is the second death. That is to come. All right. Now, either that is true and it ought to be at the center of all the questions you ask about yourself. Am I ready for that day? Or it is absolutely bogus and you should reject the whole idea of an afterlife completely and just live however you want to live. Revelation does not give margin for the middle ground. In other words, there is not such a thing as, eh, we'll see if it works out this way, I'm not really sure, and we'll just kind of see if it all plays out, right? There's not really room for that in Revelation. There's only two groups. We've learned about them. What are they? The sheep and the goats. That's it. If true, Revelation should be a kind of book that totally changes how you live. Blessed is the one who reads it. Who, John wrote the book. Who did he write the book to? Well, as fate would have it, he would give us the answer to who the book was written to. Look on with me in verse number four. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. John receives a vision from Jesus through an angel, a vision that Jesus, or a revelation that Jesus received from the Father, John was given this revelation, and he was given this revelation so that he could write it to seven churches. Who are the seven churches? John's getting ready to tell us who the seven churches. We can read about them at another day, but they're in the next few pages in chapter 2 and chapter 3. He's given a vision to the seven churches who were in Asia. These churches were founded in large part under Paul's missionary journeys. That is, Paul the Apostle, who wrote much of the New Testament, founded these churches as he went out into the Roman Empire and as he spread the gospel. These are primarily Gentile churches. And he writes this letter because they are experiencing great persecution. And he writes this letter primarily because Jesus told him, but secondary, or, or, uh, uh, secondly because... They are facing great persecution and they need to be encouraged and they need to understand that God has not abandoned them. That Jesus is still in charge. He is the head of the church and he's still very much sovereignly the king of kings. All right, so. John writes this letter to these churches. Um, where is he when he writes it? Go on down with me to verse number nine for a moment. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos, or the Isle of Patmos, because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Stop for a moment. Do you remember the song, John the Revelator? 
Three of you? That's right. When I was a wee little lad, my mom thought it would be a good idea for me to go on stage at our church at West Tulsa Free Will Baptist Church and sing this song, John the Revelator. I practiced, I memorized, and I knew the song so well. I got before an audience of people, and I panicked. At the old building, I told you this story. I panicked. I could not sing the song. I started crying. I had to go off the stage. I couldn't get it out, and I forever regretted that moment. So years ago, I sang to you, John the Revelator. Do you remember that, church? The old building? I thought I would try it again. But then I thought again. Upon the Isle of Patmos, a man was cast one day. Right? What was John doing on the Isle of Patmos? What, what, was, he, what was he there? Or why was he there? Well, most historians believe that John was on the Isle of Patmos because he was banished there. Where historians split is when he was banished there. And when John was banished to the Isle of Patmos may be the most important discussion about the book of Revelation in chapter 1 that there is to be had. Um, The dating of the book of Revelation, the dating of the vision to John is critically important. I'm going to give you a couple of words for just a moment and we'll unpack them next week. So they don't make sense, you can go look them up on Google and then we can talk about them next week, okay? But there are basically four views of of this book. There are preterist, futurist, historicist, and idealist or spiritualist. If that doesn't make any sense to you, don't worry. Next week, we're going to go way more into the barometric pressure, all right? It's going to be like ridiculously dew point all through the the whole message, okay? You're going to get way more information than you ever thought you wanted about Revelation. But an entire view of Revelation really can hinge on when John was on the Isle of Patmos. Now, the dating of the book of Revelation has been a hot discussion topic. You can go on Google, for those of you who are like me and love good, a good debate, you can go on Google and you can listen to several different debates. There's a debate right now available. I think William Hicks is one of the, one of the individuals who dated Hank Hennegraaff about the dating of the book of Revelation. When was this book written? When did John find himself on the Isle of Patmos. Now, most scholars believe that he was banished there. There's a very few number of people that say that John was there teaching and preaching and just evangelizing, but generally, most people believe that he was banished there. When? There are only two possible dates and times that he could have been banished to the Isle of Patmos. One was under Emperor Nero, which would have been somewhere in the neighborhood of, uh, in, in the late 60s AD, 66, 67, 68 AD. The other possible time is under the, under the rule of, of the emperor Domitian, uh, which would have put it somewhere around 95 or 96 AD. So John either wrote the book of Revelation, he either received this vision sometime just before the destruction of the temple in AD 70. Now pause for a moment. If you've checked out on this message, could you tune back in for a moment? When I was in college, there was a critical day. Every single instructor that I had that dealt with biblical prophecy or anything to do with the the, the Jewish faith or Judaism drilled this date into my mind. A.D. 70. A.D. 70. 70 A.D. Know that date. What happened in 70 A.D.? The destruction of the city of Jerusalem and specifically the temple itself was destroyed in 70 A.D. 
The first temple was built by Solomon. It was was destroyed in 586 BC. The second temple was built by Herod. It was destroyed by Rome in 70 AD. 70 AD. We never do this, but turn to your neighbor right now and say 70 AD. Got it? All right. So now that we're all on the same page, 70 AD is the day or the year in which the destruction of the temple took place. So let's, for the next couple of minutes, try to figure out when the book was written. I told you this is going to be fun. You're like, wow, yes. When was it written? Well, let's, let's, let's look at the early date for a moment. The book of Revelation, some would say, was written previous to AD 70. And those someones who would hold to this earlier date, not all of them, but many of them, would say that John wrote the book of Revelation previous to AD 70, and he's writing the book of Revelation concerning events that are about to take place in the destruction of the temple in AD 70. These individuals would be preterists. We'll unpack that next week, or at least partial preterists. Again, unpack that next week. They would say that basically John is describing events surrounding the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple soon to come in a couple of years. That would account for why John in Revelation chapter 1 says that he saw events that must soon take place. And that the, that the seals are, 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 are broken because these events are at hand. This is the unveiling because it's soon to take place. These same, uh, these same historians, these same theologians would say that as John writes the book of Revelation, he's writing to the seven churches in Asia who exist presently, who need encourage, encouragement presently. John is instructing them about what's about to take place for their own benefit. Whatever future benefit there is for the reader like you and I today is secondary because the primary focus is that Jerusalem is about to fall and John is telling us it's about to fall. That's one view. Some interesting uh, points to consider. John writes to seven churches in Asia Minor. And during Nero's reign in the the 60s, from 54 to 68, which is when Nero reigned, in that period of time, Paul would have started seven churches. There were actually more churches started in Asia Minor later on after the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. And so I think there were about nine churches in Asia Minor. So those who would hold an early date would say, no, John is writing to the seven churches that existed during that time. All of them. He wouldn't have left out two of them if the book would have been written later. Also, and for those of you who like many, many details, in in Revelation chapter 11, the temple is still standing. Read it. You can look there with me in Revelation chapter 11. John is told to go measure out the temple itself. And he's told to measure out every bit of it except the court of the Gentiles. In other words, there's still a temple that's in existence when John writes the book of Revelation. That seems to argue for an early date, AD 70 or before, obviously before AD 70 in the fall of Jerusalem. Many of the descriptive words that John uses to describe uh, the, the events that are unfolding whenever this revelation takes place are descriptive of things that actually took place during the siege of Jerusalem by the Romans and the actual destruction of the temple itself. Josephus. A Jewish historian describes in vivid detail the destruction of Jerusalem and and the the temple. And you can read Revelation and Josephus and you can make some comparisons to how the the descriptive words unfold. 
So authors, or the, the historians who look for an earlier date, say that John was written, or Revelation was written previous to AD 70. There are many others as well, but let, that su- let it suffice to say that there are many, many arguments for the acceptance of an early date of Revelation. If that's the case, then much of the book of Revelation is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem in, 70, in the temple in 70 AD. Now, here's what I've learned, and I didn't know this to be true. I did not know that that understanding of Revelation was not known by many, many people. Most people in the church, and by the way, we'll have fun with these words as well, so just put them away in your pocket and your brain. Most people in the church today are premillennial. They are futurists who are premillennial. They may be dispensational or historic premillennialists, and we'll unpack all that, so don't stress out. Very few I have found would be preterist, partial preterist, amillennialist. Again, next week it'll all make sense. So, was John writing in Revelation in AD 68? I don't know. You showed up to church today to hear that. I don't know. The vast majority of people, scholars, historians, believe that Revelation was written after AD 70, sometime in 95 or 96 during Domitian's reign. Most historians believe it was written then. There is one, actually there's many references in our, in our early church fathers, those who were the second, third, and fourth generations after the disciples. But one specifically has, has been front and center in this conversation. John had a disciple, his name was Polycarp. Come on, mom and dad. Polycarp? Yeah, Polycarp, disciple of John. So John learned from Jesus, Polycarp learns from John. A disciple of Polycarp is Irenaeus. Irenaeus, again. <laughs> Someone's going to laugh someday at the, at the name Mark. Like, who's so boring? Their name would be Mark, right? They're going to jazz it up a bit. Marcus. Irenaeus writes, and he gives us a descriptive word into when Revelation was, was written. Now, there's some dispute about even his own verbiage here. Irenaeus was actually wrong on another detail about church history. Irenaeus believed Jesus was 50-plus years old, and he spent 15 years in ministry, and so he made that error. So there's some dispute about uh, Irenaeus' statements here. But generally, it's generally accepted and believe that Irenaeus' statement about the writing of Revelation is, is generally accurate. And Irenaeus tells us that, that, that John saw the vision of Revelation sometime toward the end of Domitian's reign. Okay. So based on that statement, and there's many, many others as well, The book of Revelation is widely accepted as written after AD 70, sometime around 95, 96. Now, what is the evidence for that internally? We don't have time to go into the details today, but if you read the the messages about Ephesus and Laodicea and other other, uh, letters to the churches, one of the things that you see is that in these these churches that, um, that... Jesus is going to instruct them on things that he is, is thankful for in the church and things that are wrong in the church that need to be corrected. 
And Jesus is going to tell each one of these churches, there's very few exceptions, but almost every one of these churches has some pretty significant issues with them. They are dysfunctional. <laughs> That's encouraging. <laughs> if Paul starts churches and they turn dysfunctional, that's kind of encouraging because churches sometimes get dysfunctional. Not our church. We're never dysfunctional. Sometimes. But what takes place in these churches that were started under Paul's ministry in the 50s are now fairly dysfunctional. Also, we see that Laodicea um, is, is rich and wealthy and, and, and they, are, they are proud of their riches and their, and their, and their stature. We know that, that in, the, in, the, uh, in the, the time before the destruction of Jerusalem that there was a huge earthquake that rocked the city. And, um, and there wouldn't have been time for Laodicea for this church to rebuild and to, and to, um, and to call themselves wealthy again. There would have had to have been a time of rebuilding. And I think the rebuilding of this city took like 30 years. And so for them to be called rich just years after this earthquake would have been, would have been difficult to reconcile. But, but these churches are dysfunctional. And there's, really it's hard to reconcile that these churches would have become so dysfunctional in about 10 years. It probably would have taken longer for them to, come, to, to be in a situation where Jesus would have had to instruct them. And said, look, this is okay, but this is very wrong. I mean, think about what takes place. If you read the book of Revelation, Jesus tells many of these churches, if you don't get this fixed, I'm going to remove my candlestick or my lampstand from you. In other words, I'm going to remove the presence, the Holy Spirit, if you will, the anointing, the power that, that, is, that is necessary in the church for the church to be effective. I'm going to remove that from you, right? Hard to believe this, these churches would have gotten there in a matter of just 10 years. We're, ten, we're 12 years old. I hope it takes us a lot longer to become dysfunctional. So some would argue that just because of how, how Jesus instructs the church, there's no way that time lapse would, could, have, could have accounted for that. Now, one last thing. Those who hold for an eight earlier date would look at the church of Corinth and they would say, uh, you don't need any time for a church to be dysfunctional. Paul starts the church and then not too long after he sends Apollos and the church begins arguing over who's the best pastor. Paul or Apollos? This church is so dysfunctional that they have huge sexual immorality problems. <laughs> they cannot get along. They really don't necessarily like each other. They have gifts, but they're, they're, they're selfish with their gifts. They eat before they should eat. <laughs> they don't wait on each other to take the Lord's Supper. They're dysfunctional. And that didn't take very long. So when was the book of Revelation written? I don't know. I don't know. I think it was written after AD 70. I think. I think it was written somewhere during the time of Domitian's reign. But I could be convinced otherwise. Um, I just got finished reading a book, and I'll give you the reference next week. Oh, we're not quite done yet. I'm just going to get up from here because I've sit a long time. Um, I just finished reading a book by Sam Storms, and I'll give it to you next week. It was a 600-page book. I read it just for this these first two messages, you're welcome. Um, he does a great job unpacking this case for when the book of Revelation was written. Steve Gregg does a great job as well. You're welcome to get those books. I'll give them to you again. If you, if you would like to have a discussion with me after service right down here, I'll meet you here. One of my favorite things to do is debate scripture. I would love to do that with you. Okay, but here's the thing, right? 
Here's what you need to know today. Because next week, we're going to take a step in understanding how it's all going to come to an end. That was necessary so that you can get next week. And next week is necessary so that we can celebrate what's about to happen when Jesus comes back. Because he's coming back. He is coming back. Now, now. Here's what you need to know. John received a vision from an angel who got that message from Jesus, who got that message from the Father. And John wrote it down. And he either wrote it down sometime in about 67, 68, or 95. I don't know. But in either case, he receives the vision. And the vision tells us about what's coming. This world is coming to an end. And we are living in what's called the last days. And you'll understand that more next week. I don't know when all this got started. 14 billion years ago or 10,000 years ago? I don't know. Human history records 6 to 10,000 years. That's about it. And we're at the end of human history. I don't know exactly when that's going to happen. You don't either. Cheap shot. Nor does John Hagee. No one. But we do know it's coming. Now, if he's coming back, shouldn't you be ready? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Hey, this is Pastor Matt Blair. Thank you so much for taking time to check out our podcast today at solidchurch.com. You know, we realize that it's possible, as you listen to this message today, that God may have spoken to your heart about something. So if you made any kind of spiritual decision, we would love to know about that. You can email us at info at solacechurch.com and let us know what happened in your life today. Once again, thank you so much for taking time to check out this podcast.